Welcome back to Foundations. And uh, Trace and I are going to be teaching this week's lesson and study. And it looks good. So get your Bible out. Hopefully you have your purple book, Spiritual Family and Church Life. We're going to talk about what does the family look like, the local family, the church look like. And uh, I just got to chuckle a little bit. Yesterday we were on the phone with uh, T-Mobile. And the girl uh, kept talking to us and said, welcome to the family. And, and I'm thinking as she's saying that a couple times, welcome to the family. I'm really thinking, well, this really isn't family. I, I could talk about family. This is more like a business transaction. And then with that, everything was awesome, awesome. Amazing. And I'm thinking, well, if everything is awesome, that means nothing is awesome. And so I kind of laugh at that kind of verbiage. But the thing is, we're really talking about something that is awesome. Mm -hmm. The family of God. The family of God. And the family, what is a family? You know, family is filled with love. And you see, I think even we have one now. We pray here, we laugh here, Mm -hmm. hug here. And then as family, there are challenges at times, disagreements at times. How do you handle that in the family? And if we're going to talk about the family locally of God, the church, how do we handle it when we do have some disagreements, when we do have some challenges? And so the Bible says there's a way we can do that because we're family. We should be committed Mm -hmm. here for each other. That's one of our core values. I don't know why when you started to say all that, I thought about all the many sitcoms that have uh, been present on TV through the years. I don't know why. Families, families. Roseanne came to my mind. And that's not one we watched, really. (laughs) No, but I remember. She irritates me. Dysfunctional family, you know, with its, but they had laughter and they had problems and whatever. And then everybody loves Raymond. There's some good lessons in that show and King of Queens, but families, families, families. So let's open up a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, your love. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Your grace that you've called us, you've drawn us. Thank you that we are able to respond and we've received this wonderful salvation. We're in the family of God. And Lord, it's our desire to represent you well, to live this out. We can't do this alone. You've called us to do this in community. And so uh, how do we do that? What does it look like? Thank you for our time together in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, Jesus made some statements, and one of them, of course, uh, about this is in Matthew 16, 18. He says, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'll build my church, the gates of hell will not overcome it. And then we look at Acts chapter 2, and we're going to break that down a little bit more. But Acts chapter 2, the early church. So uh, they've been in the upper room, filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus has ascended to the Father in heaven. And so we see the church of Jesus Christ is established on planet Earth, and now they are proceeding forward. And it tells us there are some dynamics that were taking place. I think it's so, I think probably the book of Acts is so exciting because, you know, Jesus, they've gone through the crucifixion, the resurrection, they've gathered together. And all of a sudden, it's like, they're forming. They're forming It's up together. to them, mm-hmm. and God's anointing them for this yeah. task. But wow, they are launching. No plan B. Here we go. They are launching the Church of Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, so you know, exciting. I, I want to do uh, in, in the future here uh, a sermon series in the Book of Acts. Yeah. How, how important that is. Uh, Ephesians four four through six. There is one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father, 
of all. You don't want to read Acts, so we're just going to go through it piece by piece. Well, there's a few more. It breaks it down over okay. here. So that's why I'm not going to read it right now. But, well, okay, let me read it real quick. They devoted themselves, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, to the apostles' teaching mm-hmm. and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe mm-hmm. at the many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers who were together had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad, sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Well, think about I just, you know, just those four parts right there. They devoted themselves to fellowship, hanging out together, to meals as a breaking bread, to teaching, and then to prayer. And then we're going to start going over all of that. But yeah, I think but it, just quickly, the, the points elements, of that. the dynamics yeah. of the early yeah. church. Yeah, the elements and dynamics. So Peter preaches his first sermon, you know, here at the day uh, of Pentecost. And Peter, who had denied the Lord, failed miserably, guilt and shame. I'm going to preach about Peter this Sunday. Ryan's going to preach about Peter in Pittsburgh. And then Peter, uh, he, he is restored. Peter is full of the Holy Spirit and boldness, and he preaches Jesus Christ. We see 3,000 were saved that day. One day, 3,000 come yeah. into the family of God, come into the church. Yeah. I think it's something too. It says he called his listeners to repent, mm. to be baptized, and to receive the Holy Spirit. It's Amen. like, boom, let's do it all. That's, that's it. That's major right there. That's awesome. So no plan B. This is the church. Yeah. This is who God's going to use, imperfect people. And uh, I, I believe they had a model uh, that yeah. God's given us. Love God, serve all. So we look at, if you're in your books, page 76, The Victorious Church. And so I just read Matthew 16, 18. What did Jesus say about his victorious church? Well, he said, I will build my church. So Mm -hmm. we can't do that. We just have to obey, cooperate, be responsible. But God builds the church. Ah, We can't save anyone. We can't add anything to this. We just have to obey him, be responsible, and do what he calls us to do. But the thing is, he'll build his church, and it says, and the power of death, the gates of hell, or the power of death, cannot stop his church. And it never has. Never has. 2,000 years yeah. ago to today, nothing has stopped the church of Jesus Christ. Every apostle, except John, they were martyred. They were martyred for their faith, put to death. They gladly died for Jesus Christ. John, they tried to kill him. They couldn't kill him. He lived and he died a natural death way up in his 90s, probably almost 100 years of age. But there was a price to pay a cost, but they couldn't stamp out the gospel. Their persecutions came. The the lions, they were fed the lions in Rome in the Colosseum and wild beast. And they were tortured and on and on and on. And then we come to the 20th century communism and Russia and China. China still here today in the 21st century, but can't North, stop the church. North Korea. North Korea can't stop the church. Can't stop the church. Illegal to serve Christ. Illegal to assemble together and preach the gospel. Tortured for Christ. Communism has put to death over a billion people and imprisoned millions and millions of people and tortured them. Wow. That's what communism has done. 
and is doing and won't stop doing, but the communism can't even stop the church of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. I will build my church. So who's the church built upon? Who's the church built upon? It's Jesus. Jesus Christ. It tells us in Ephesians 2, 2.20 that Jesus Christ, he is the chief mm-hmm. cornerstone. Thank you, Lord. Yep. Thank you, Lord. And so there's many metaphors and symbolism in God's word. Yeah. And so we see the Apostle Paul, since we're here in Ephesians chapter 5, he compares the love of Christ and Christ's love for the church as what kind of a relationship does he use there that he compares He uses to the family, right? Husband and husband wife. Husband and wife, the That's family. Right. That's you know, right. We'll get into Ephesians and it's all about the family. Yep. That, that kind of love that mm-hmm. we have for each other. And so he, he describes that love as between a husband and a wife, so to speak, that committed love. And, and then the ultimate destiny of the church the Apostle Paul goes on to say a few verses later in Ephesians 5, 25 through 28, in 26 and 27, mm-hmm. that he works in us and he presents us his church, uh, that we're pure, that we're washed by the word of God, that we're clean, that we're a glorious mm-hmm. church, and your version may say without spot or wrinkle. wrinkle. And that's the work that he does within us. Makes and, you just think of the laundry machine, you know, yeah. doing laundry. Something comes out of that fresh and clean without spot or wrinkle. And you get a picture of the bride in her white wedding dress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Presented for the bridegroom, spotless, pure. And that's what he's doing in us. And he uh, does that by the washing of his word. He does it by the work of the Holy Spirit. He does that through as we go through difficulties or even challenges in this life. And he gives us the power to persevere and we persevere. And that means we're growing, maturing in him. And he's going to present us someday in heaven. Amen. Amen. So we see back to Acts chapter 2. And there's a format, I think, that... Uh, that the Lord, you know, impressed upon our hearts 17 years ago when we started Morning Star Fellowship here in Quaker Town, that there were these dynamics that were taking place in that first century church that we need to see today to be, I think, a legitimate, genuine church of yeah. Jesus Christ. So as we look at that, look in Acts chapter 2, what will we see taking place as they were meeting together? What were some of these things? Well, verse 43, did you turn there, Trace? Yep. Yeah. Yep, it says, then fear and awe came awe. Up, Yeah, it's really awe. Mm-hmm. It says fear, but it's like awe. Came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Okay, so that's the first thing that we see there, signs and wonders. Yeah, I tell you what. Think about that. Mm. Yeah, wouldn't we love to see more signs and wonders. Yes, yes. And nothing, you know, that's scriptural. That's scriptural. We're not cessationist. We do not believe signs and wonders stop Mm -hmm. just because we have the completed written word of God. That's not true because I think we're going to see it somewhere here. Hopefully uh, I'll bring that out. But I know it's in these passages that we're looking at today that, that these will cease when Jesus returns. Right. Yeah, we yeah. need them until he returns. Our world is needy. Our world is broken. Our world is desperate. And, and he says we can see signs and wonders. Yeah. We've seen a little bit in our life. And I would say, yeah, yeah that's a work of God. But yeah. I, I think there's going to be more in yeah. these last days. And even, you know, Jesus said to his disciples, 
these works and greater will you do, right? Amen. He said that to mm-hmm. his disciples who he knew were going to be living on past his life. Amen. And so I don't I don't think it's wrong to be saying, God, mm-hmm. we want to see your signs and wonders. Because we want to see yeah. lives change, people I mean, come seeing to people, Christ. seeing an addict get free, I mean, that's definitely a sign of a wonder to me. Um, things are di- but really to see somebody just physically healed, like maybe we hear about in Africa, where someone is just like miraculously healed. And, and these happen. Yeah, they do. Over yeah, and over do. again. But but I I, I want to even see signs and wonders, uh, and let, let's just put it maybe that's going to happen. And I know we're going to see part of that and be yeah. part of that. But also where a, a man and a woman in a broken marriage relationship would humble themselves before God and each other. Yep. And allow themselves to be changed, and there could be the restoration in the miracle of that marriage being yeah. better than it ever was before. Yeah, that's yeah. let's see some of those things. Yeah, hey, blind eyes open, the lame walking, yes. Right. And it says, and they were together and they shared life. There's this thing mm-hmm. called fellowship in the Greek koinonia. Fellowship means they were sharing life. Mm-hmm. It was more than how you doing, good to see you Sunday, and then you're on your way for the rest of the week. I sort of you know, this is a very simplified version of this. But say Morningstar has a need uh, for someone in our body. Someone needs meals mm-hmm. because they're sick or whatever. Yeah, they yeah. had a baby, something happened in their life. And so we put out a list and say, hey, could you know, you all jump on and make some meals for the family? That to me is sharing things in common. It's just food. It's just an easy way to enter into somebody else's life and to make it a little easier on them right now. And we see people respond to that, but that should be just a natural outflow yeah, of no. Christian life. That's right. You know somebody that has a need uh, with just doing things around their house and they can't get to it or they're sick or something. The church people jump in and help. The family of God is there for one another. With child care, with something that is needed, not that when helping people helping each other, yeah, not that when people you know you're not there to just use other people. But if there's a situation where you generally need some help, that's where the body of Christ should be able to jump in and say, "Hey, we're here for each other." And I hope we. And then at one point, that. you're going to help them, yeah, help somebody exactly. else. Yeah, yeah so, so it's, that's that's sharing our lives, that's having all things in common. Yeah. I think at times. There was a little bit of confusion about that because people were like, well, we should all, you know, it's like socialism. Everybody should have the same. And that really isn't what this is saying. And actually, it's not saying, hey, let's have one big commune, you know, and that was very popular in America. Really, in the late 60s, early 70s, hippies, uh, Jesus movement, hippies got saved, legitimately came to Christ. But many people are going to think, let's live in a commune. And I tell you, it, it doesn't work. It didn't work out. And there were elements of that here in the New Testament church. They became one giant commune, many of them. And what we see later, there was a negative to this. Paul was taking up an offering years later for the poverty of the church in Jerusalem because they didn't use wisdom. Man, God gave them a heart of generosity, but it also gives us some wisdom that if I, you know, if you sell everything, I sell everything, everybody sells everything, well, we don't have anything to share or give to anyone. And so there were a big element that took place, and they were in poverty. And that's not God's will either. God wants us to share, share life, wants us to be giving. Uh, but there's some wisdom with that also. So they shared meals, they worshiped God together, people were saved, they Sharing meals is so important. When you sit it down is, yeah. in the Middle East, they excelled at that hospitality. Eat a meal together. Take time. Talk. 
Get to know one another. Share your life experiences. They say that today. That is true. If you travel to the Middle East, you know, people are a lot more hospitable than we are in America. Uh, and I've seen some great hospital yeah. hospitality in that. In 2001, shortly after 9-11, this isn't the Middle East, but it's kind of the crossroads. We were in Armenia on a missions trip, and we were out somewhere, and we were going to do a pastor's conference and teaching for a number of days. Uh, but just before that, we were somewhere a day or so before that conference, and uh, we met some people, and our guide and our connection there just showed, talked to them. Mm-hmm. And instantaneously, that person wanted to hear more and invite us right to their yeah. home had tea, had some refreshments, didn't know us. We were total strangers and, and treated us so well. And we shared the gospel with them in their home on the spur of the moment. Mm-hmm. Then we see people were getting saved on a regular basis in this early church. Yeah. They got so many things right. They absolutely did. What do you think it means there? It says they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Amen. I think they had a pure joy yeah. of the Lord. Yeah. Pure joy of the Lord. And there are some great elements here. Greed was gone and animosity was gone and um, the spirit of offense was gone. You know, but they began to deal with some things as life went on. So uh, I look at that generosity and and I think that uh, that's one of our core values in that early church, sacrificially generous. And uh, so the Lord, you know, gave through the people, through the... uh, Apostles and they distributed there. So um, you mentioned one yeah. thing. How are we similar to that early church? And you mentioned something there. But what's some things you think we could learn from that early church? From the early church? I mean, I think when I see that, you know, the simplicity of heart, I think sometimes that we tend to overthink things that we do in America and in our culture, in our Western culture. And I think having that simplicity of just kindness, we're sitting here looking out at the playground. The playground here at church. We're in the conference room. Yeah, at the church and, I, building. and I think about that sometimes when you throw kids onto the playground, they just play with one another. They don't really care if they know one another. They just immediately sort of make friends. And I'm like, that's such See, a simple I, way. Is it, is it cute? They do that. Like they just start playing yeah, and they, they may know. have never seen that little girl or boy before, mm-hmm. but we, we've heard this and seen this. Hey, here's my friend. Right. Do you want to play with me? Yeah. Here. They say, do you want to play with me? Yeah. Or, you know, want to go ride a swing or whatever? Mm-hmm. They're just simple. They simplify what we make hard at times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how sweet that is. And mm-hmm. I think in the early church, they were, I think, you know, it says that they had favor basically with people because they were like that and and really isn't the world looking the hand for of god was upon them it's like christianity has this the love of god sides. just overflowed the one in their side of our life should be very kind very generous and um just caring about people that should be who we are and then there's the other side where we should be very submitted to the lord and so in that sometimes i think that is what people don't want they don't want to submit themselves to anything because in christianity you are submitting Mm. yourself to the lord but when you look at just christianity and life it should be very appealing because Mm. it's people loving one another and caring about one another and this is really the ingredients that should Mm. be in us the local church and the church at large the whole that should be genuinely in us and through us but unfortunately at times um for various reasons we put up walls, yeah. and Jesus wants to help us 
to have wisdom, but really be fully devoted followers of him, fully loving people. You know, I think, too, in that in the culture then, like I was thinking of natural gathering points. They made food or took them a long time to make something to eat as compared to today. And so women would gather together. It was easy to gather in common things like that, preparing food, washing clothes together. They were sort of together doing those things. It was highly valued. And today a lot of us are working all day and then, you know, rushing home. And so if you have somebody over to eat, you're sort of preparing for that. But maybe they prepared together back then. Mm-hmm. You know, it was probably a different pace mm-hmm. than what we live. But I often think about church world and church groups and churches and think it should be a natural thing to join together with other believers, having each other to your home. We mm-hmm. we do organize small groups, but they should be a natural outflow of just relationships in a church, I believe. I think you could use the word organic there. They should yeah, just they take should just place. be. The people want to get together for dinner, hang out together, yeah. and reflect. Hey, you, yeah. you, you, let, yeah. let's join together. Have a Bible study. Yeah. Let, let's go through the messages from Sunday. Let, let's break down the scriptures together. Yeah, and I, you know, go like to Deuteronomy when they taught it to their children. They talked about it, put it on their doorpost. It was, it was just their life mm-hmm. they just and have coming their and going their christian life yep. yeah and yep. i i really you know mm-hmm. that if i could dream anything for a church i would dream that the people just it's a natural organic part of their life mm-hmm. yeah and so we move into uh, uh, the second part of the lesson today and the apostle paul he refers refers to the church as the body of christ mm-hmm. the people of god the body of christ and then he begins to use these the metaphor and the teaching and found in First Corinthians chapter twelve. Mm-hmm. We see that each part of the body has something very unique and specific to offer. And he talks about as we're different parts mm-hmm. of the body, he makes that correlation. So we get a mental picture. We can see what's happening. And he really begins to show us that once we come to salvation in Jesus Christ, that it's not God's plan or purpose mm-hmm. that we go it alone. Yeah. That, that we live this out in community, body. Yeah. the body, the family, that we need each other, even though we don't think we do at times. And when we think we don't, we're going to try to go it alone. We can bring harm to ourselves spiritually and harm to the body of Christ. Everybody has a vital, important part to play. And you may have said this before or thought this before. Yeah. I've met people. I've heard it mm-hmm. a number of times over the years. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. But I don't go to church. I don't need church. Yeah. And we just say, you're missing out. And that is not the plan of God. Well, you know what? Living in a family, there's a rub to that when you live in a family. If there's a few of you in your house, you have to share. You have to uh, work together for things. And that's part of living. You have to sacrifice. You have to compromise. Yeah, you're sharing maybe the bathroom, the kitchen. Mm -hmm. You're in each other's way at times. I mean, that's part of being a family, right? And And somebody's the head of the household. That's how it is. Mm -hmm. And so I think Mm -hmm. today in our culture, too, we're trying to say everybody is the same. Everybody is equal. And... The Bible clearly says that people have different roles, mm-hmm. R-O-L-E-S. Yes. There's mm-hmm. roles, R-U-L-E-S, and roles, That's R-O-L-E-S, right. That's that right. we all have. So Paul, he begins to talk about the importance of each one of us in the body in 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 20. And he begins to talk about the diversity and the unity working together, and each part is essential. So we'll have different parts. Mm-hmm. And so... It begins to say, you know, there, there's eyes, there's ears, there's hands, there's feet, there's fingers, yeah. there's a head, there's a heart. 
Each part is essential in the body and in the body of Christ. So who decides how each part of the body should function? Who does that? You know, do I make that decision? Well, I'm the pastor. I make, no, that's not my decision. I don't have that ability, that power. Teresa can't do that. No one else on the team here can do that. None of the apostles could do that. Who does that? God himself puts this into place, sets and establishes each one, how they function in the body. Well, so the Bible puts a lot of importance on the diversity of the church. Different people from different walks of life bring different gifts, different perspectives, different talents, Mm -hmm. yet equally important in establishing this unshakable unity. And I think in a small way, that's something we're seeing here in Quaker Town in Pittsburgh. People from different walks of life uh, and different talents, different abilities, different income levels, Mm -hmm. uh, even for the small area of diversity we have, different ethnicities, Mm -hmm. but we're one family, one body. Yeah. And so how important that is. And we have our common foundation in Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, I think about uh, some people here at Morningstar we're close to. They come from India. I would never have thought I'd become friends with somebody from India right here. Because because the commonality is Jesus. Amen. And so people, while I was speaking with a sweet sister that was a church from Kenya this week, and she was just the most delightful thing, talking about going back over to Kenya. And I was like, it was beautiful. She's my sister in Jesus. She's my sister in the Lord. She's from Kenya, a whole different culture. But here we are together at Morningstar in a church of Jesus Christ, and we're just sisters in the Lord. It's beautiful. Amen. Yeah. And that's the only thing God can do. So we look at Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. Mm-hmm. And what are the seven ones, O-N-E-S, mentioned in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6? Because the Apostle Paul here is just bringing out the idea and the truth and the necessity of unity. Not uniformity, but unity. Right. Unity. Mm-hmm. And so when well, we look at that, let's look let's at this. It. it says there is one body. So mm-hmm. that's one body, one spirit. Yes. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord. Yep. One faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen. That's it's all one. Amen. You know, Amen. I wonder why he wonder why you know in Ephesians they went through that. Maybe there was people trying to splinter off and you know, sometimes saying that I'm of Apollo, Apollos, I'm of Paul, you know. People were trying to sort of divide the church and people try to divide the church today. But we it's need nothing to new. No, mm-hmm. it's nothing new. But in the church of Jesus Christ, there might be some um, difference a little bit in some doctrines, a little bit, but on the mm-hmm. main doctrines, mm-hmm. that's where we are all the same. You know, that's why Amen. we need to stay on the things that were the same. If you believe in the deity of the Lord Jesus, the right? inerrancy of Scripture, yes. salvation alone through Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, and then we are one body with those people. Amen. Right? Amen. Um, we we look at. You said something that triggered a thought. Now, hopefully, that'll come back to me. Here, but we look at that and we see that he brings us in, into this unity, as I said, yeah. that this is our foundation, this is our ba- basis. Because, well, what, what does the enemy do? He did it from day one that he attacks unity, loves to bring division. And what did he do? He tried to divide heaven, he took one third of the angels with him. 
and we begin to see where there is unity. That's where the favor, the blessing of God is. And so thank God as right now we're in a season and I want to pray. That's one thing I pray as a pastor continually, Lord, guard this church, your church, protect the unity of this church. Because in unity, uh, there's the favor of God, the blessing of God, and there is great synergy. Results take place when we move in unity. Even Jesus said when he prayed for his disciples to come, his believers to come, he said, Lord, let them be one as you and I are one. Amen. I mean, being one, being in unity Mm -hmm. is so important to move together. And Teresa just said, that's what's in John 17. Yep, one Mm -hmm. as the Father. He and and the Father are one. That's why he's praying for us, because he knows that's going to be attacked. He knows things will rise up in our lives that will lead us astray. And things will come in from the enemy and use. And so this is is big, let me tell you, because I've seen it so much in my life. What does the Bible call someone who stirs up dissension? That is who causes disunity. It's in Proverbs 16, 28. And the Bible says that person is a perverse person. That's a powerful word right there. I'm going to tell you, and we're going to move on right here. Stay right here in Proverbs 6. We look at uh, verses 16 through 19. And it lists seven things. This is where I don't want to be on this side of God. Seven things that are detestable to the Lord, and the seventh is one who causes division. These are things that God hates. I don't want to be a part of something that God hates. That's a dangerous place to be. Uh, That's a dark place to be. That's a place of judgment. God hates us, and this one is the one that he pulls out there and says, and God hates division. Doesn't hate people, but he hates division. He doesn't want to see someone cause division, especially in his church. What will take place? The ineffectiveness that will come, uh, the, the witness that will be destroyed, and the I, I think just totally uh, a place... Uh, oh, here, can we just read that? Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's chapter 6, verse 16. Of Proverbs. I, yeah, Proverbs. It says, these six things the Lord hates... Yes, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Yeah. That's not even just among the world. That's like among the brethren. He means in the church, in the, church, in the family, yeah. in the body of Christ. Yeah. One who causes division. It's easy to get there. Oh, that's not I mean, hard at all. People have a tendency, but I mean, that's why we sort of have that well, you membership um, saying, I'll protect our the covenant, unity our covenant. of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll protect the unity of the yeah. church because mm-hmm. unity is so important. I mean, obviously, there's always going to be times of disagreements or something that you think could be done a different way or whatever. We could all look around. I there's think, no perfect no. organization, no perfect church. No, because we're just people running these. or We're not God. We're people. And so that could always take place, but... To run according to God's plan and purpose and to run hard after him, we have to run in unity. Amen. So, well, so we have a leadership team. We sit around this very table and have meetings. Once a month. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. And talk about the finances of the church and what's going on in the church, any needs that we would have. And I think we we never Spiritual, make a decision. physical, financial. There's never a decision that's like... Yes, we're doing this thing unless mm. everyone comes together and says, yeah, we've prayed about this. Let's go on mm. in that direction yep. because that's how it works. I mean, you want to go together. 
you could go out front, but no one's behind you, right? So Amen. running in lead, running in unity is very, very important. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And, and we can just just see, you know, yeah. united we stand, divided we fall. You can look at history. Yeah. You can look at sports teams. You can look at business models. Look at the Church of Jesus Christ and how important this element is. I mean, we can look at the United States of America right now and see how there is so such a lack of unity that we're seeing an uprisal because people are not all going in the same direction. We're all fighting against one another right now. And I'm like, if we could just have some unity and just at least get our hearts on the same page, that would be amazing. Yep, yep. And, and when this happens... I want to tell you, in the church, the devil sets backs and he laughs at us because he knows now we're pitted against each other. We're spinning our wheels. We're ineffective. We're not on point on mission, accomplishing what God has called us to do. That's another scripture. A house divided against itself will not stand. Amen. That's it. It just can't stand. So this moves us into church leadership. And uh, what this tells me, because I'm in church leadership, I... Uh, I'm not in control. I'm responsible. God is in control, but I'm responsible for where he calls me for this field called Quaker Town, Morningstar Fellowship, Pittsburgh. And so we have to be responsible, but God's in control. I'm not controlling this thing. And I have to make sure that uh, there's several dynamics taking place for me. And that is I have a Head of a leader, I have to be able to hear from God, make decisions, step out in faith, not not be manipulated by fear, but I have to have a heart of a shepherd, of a pastor. Mm-hmm. I have to remain caring and sensitive and understanding. And that's, that's where that keeps me praying because uh, those don't always naturally go together. And that's what God's called us to here. So we look at church and there is leadership. We're a living organism, not just an organization. We're the body of Christ, the family. Mm -hmm. And so every uh, organization has leadership. And God is a God of order. And and there's leadership that takes place in sports teams, businesses, your family, your home, and in the Church of Jesus Christ. I mean, in every home, there has to be, you know, mom and dad are are usually the leaders of the home. And, Mm -hmm. you know. If your kids know that you don't agree on something, they will take advantage of that, right? Oh, yeah. They will go to the, oh, great go to the kids. You love your kids. Yeah. They're good kids, but they'll pit you against each other. Yeah. Divide so, and conquer. <laughs> yeah. So we have, you know, our church is the same way. We need to all be running in the same mm-hmm. direction, basically. Yep. Yeah. So we see in that early church there uh, in Acts chapter 6, the first seven verses, the church in Jerusalem is an example of this truth. And it says, every day the believers distribute food to the widows in their community. And so in that first century world, the the widows had little or no means of support, you know. Uh, And some of them were being overlooked that there wasn't uh, welfare programs, there wasn't Social Security, there wasn't... uh, any of the yeah, any right. of the funds yeah. and programs, nothing. Yeah. So the twelve apostles, the leaders of the early church, they knew they had to address some of these important issues logistically, and they knew they needed to keep their focus on, on the spiritual ministry, ministry of the word of God. So they appointed other leaders, several, to focus on caring in this aspect, and so it gives us a picture of everybody in the body of Christ, and so. We look at Ephesians chapter 4 and the five roles of authority and leadership that God placed in the church. 
And we know what? We see them today even. There's mm-hmm. these function, they have roles in the ministry mm-hmm. today. So we see apostles and we see prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and, and the yeah. element of encouraging our administration. And we've looked at some of these in the lessons. And so these can be distinct and some of them overlap and they, they kind of mm-hmm. go together yeah. in, in the ministry. And so Teresa and I, and not to say that we never conflict with this to this day would not be true, but we learned a long time ago that God gave her gifts, talents, and he gave me gifts and talents. And he brought us together so we would not compete in those gifts and talents, but complement like, one another. Like I was thinking, for instance, when a Sunday is around the corner, you and I are both working towards that Sunday. Right? Mm-hmm. We were t- talking about Easter. He's getting ready to speak, and I'm trying to take care of some of the details of the building to make sure we maybe have some flowers, some trees, something else, uh, to get the offering ready to go. I'm mean, just doing a little things behind the scenes mm-hmm. for for that. Yeah. I teach a class on Sunday, so we're doing. We're both working. Yeah, I'm making sure. You know, what, what is what's the songs? What are they going to yeah. be? Do they fit? Is there a video to go here? You know, I'm praying. Yeah, so we're not doing. We're both busy, and, yeah. but we're doing different things. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I would say, I mean, I think his is probably very important, obviously, because he's speaking the word of God. But I feel like what I'm doing is important as well. Oh well, yeah, not quite as important, no, but, it's very important. But important. And same with everyone else here on the team. Well, talking Everyone's, about having team, different members. We, we need the worship team. We need those right. that can. Play instruments Everyone's. and sing and lead us in worship. We need people greeting at the doors and loving on people. Yeah. And we need people teaching our wonderful children yeah. and everything in between. And then we're getting into like the gifts of the church. And that's apostles, teachers, I'm thinking prayer. Amen. I mean, all those things need to have a voice really in the body of and Christ. And they take place. Right? They take place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the, the apostles are those that... that uh, found churches yeah. and raise up churches and pioneer churches or or um, what's the word I'm looking oversee. for? Oversee. Oh, oh, then oversee, oversee the ministries of church, mm-hmm. usually multiple churches. They plant churches. That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. I don't know why that escaped me. We don't call our Assembly of God leadership apostles, but they sort of are in that role. But or some maybe denominations do. They do. And, and, and yeah. And in... Uh, mm-hmm. And in our mm-hmm. field, so mm-hmm. to speak, in our mm-hmm. area, there's mm-hmm. people that really are sort of a pastor to pastors. Mm-hmm. You know, they speak mm-hmm. into other pastors' lives. So I'd have the role of a pastor, teacher, mm-hmm. and uh, overseeing, you know, the team God's given us. There's evangelist, and evangelist could be someone uh, that has a, a traveling ministry uh, through the United States, around the world. But an evangelist is someone who really uh, has, uh, the first of all, an anointing to share Christ with others, mm-hmm. just outright share Christ with others. And you see people that are that are like that. And doesn't mean everyone has this natural traveling no. preaching ministry, but they have the gift of witnessing and sharing yeah, Christ is, with others. That is that is that's who a they true are. evangelist. Yeah, it's yeah. an evangelist. That's mm-hmm. just the the equipping of the Lord in them. And I Amen. think yeah, we've all known people like that. Amen. And that's so. God. What is the, the the job of these leaders? It's equipping believers to minister. Mm-hmm. So it shouldn't be. And I think sometimes we think in church, well, we're just going to leave for those people to do all the work because they're quote the paid unquote, staff, the pastors. The professionals, so to but speak. But if we're yeah. doing our job, we should be equipping you for the work of the ministry, all Amen. of you, right? Amen. People mm-hmm. should be equipped. Mm-hmm. And whether yeah. that would be in hospitality or speaking or teaching, 
you know, there's just a lot are, of things. That, are, are there several in our body in Pittsburgh in here that have the gift of um, preparing delicious meals? Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. I mean, we look at our own Maddie, our chef here, and look at all the delicious meals. That's her ministry, really. Mm, it really That's is. what she does. She's, she's a gift from the Lord. She, she cooks, and she likes to share that gift, mm, and we're glad to have really. her share it. Yeah, she, she really is. And so you talk about everyone may not call to be a pastor mm-hmm. or an apostle or an evangelist, but every one of us is called mm-hmm. a minister. That's what yes. we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And we want to enable you to, to, to minister in the giftings that God is giving you. And we grow into giftings also. Yeah. Yeah, we really do. We grow into giftings. And so here's what I was referring to, Ephesians 4.13. How long will these gifts operate in the church? And was it, did you turn there, Trace? I have it, yeah. yeah. read that. It says, till we all come to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God and to the perfect man, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Amen. And it's talking about until Jesus ultimately returns, his second coming. And so we're going to function in the gifts and the roles that God has given us in leadership. We're going to function in the power of the Holy Spirit. The gifts are going to be in operation. But one day, mm-hmm. when the perfect one is here, and we're with the perfect one face-to-face. So, need this anymore. Amen. Mm-hmm. And then it tells us this important key ingredient. And this is in Ephesians also the same chapter 4, but verse 16. How is the body of Christ held together? What holds mm-hmm. us together right here? And it says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love. In love. There yeah. it is. That's that's the spiritual glue that holds us together. It's like the stuff that's between your bones. What is that um, when you need cosequin to okay. <laughs> help your okay. joints and the cushion. Okay. It's the love, right, that holds Amen. everyone together. I was thinking more like Gorilla Glue, but that's good. <laughs> that's really good. Stuff that you... Yeah, yeah. that's the spiritual glue. Love. Yeah. Love. Love, it says, covers a multitude of offenses. Love. Mm-hmm. Love. You're imperfect. I'm imperfect. I'm more imperfect than she is. But love. Love. And that's the way it just comes in here on a Sunday morning we come together. Think how many different people, different walks of life, different backgrounds, coming from different earthly families. What's going to hold us together? We're new creations in Christ Jesus, and we're in his love. You know, we were watching something that happened today on Spirit Airlines. I guess they were kicking a child and a family off because the little little girl didn't have it. It was a real tenuous situation. They had a special needs child and a little girl, and anyway, it was just a mess. And so they were kicked off the airline and brought back on, but someone said, I wish we could just think the best of one another, think not, you know, and try to have a little empathy in life and understand one another. And, you know, in the body of Christ, if you're going to live with anyone that close, mm-hmm. you have to have some empathy and, and just try to see what they're mm-hmm. feeling or understanding. It doesn't mean there never needs to be correction. There certainly does at times need to be correction in all of our lives, but it's in the spirit that it's given that will definitely help. Amen. So with that, I just need to look at a couple scriptures. We can't look at all of them, but uh, in going in the direction, Teresa was just kind of opening up for us. What are the qualifications for being a leader, for being a pastor, or being on uh, our church leadership team? 